0: Welcome to Today on Broadway, Uh uh-oh, for Wednesday, March 15th, the Ides Uh of March, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matthew Munae. Don't you dare stab me in the back, Ashley. I will. Or the front. Or the front. What about the the side? Prefer no stabbings. The side Uh, or I can take it on the sides. From
1: a great Okay. (laughs) From a great (laughs)
0: height. (laughs) Um, Ashley, we are recording obviously on Tuesday, March 14th. You have plans to go see a show tonight. Tell us what show it is and with whom are you seeing
1: it? I am seeing Wolf play at MCC finally with Mr. Robbie Razzell
0: and I believe it's closing suit is it closing this week or uh, did it, I know it's extended a couple times
1: that's a great question that I do not know off the top of my head because you're right it has extended a couple times I feel yeah. like it's got another couple of weeks I feel like originally this was supposed to be the last week but I don't remember and that's on Tuesday Wednesday I got Drinking in America
0: Yeah, I'm looking here to see if I can find the date, but uh, just so people know, yes, it has been extended through April 2nd, Wolf Play has, so you have a little bit more time. Grace has talked about it, she's seen it, so highly recommend that one. You can hear us talk about all sorts of things before anyone else if you head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, radiocom slash patreon. All right, Ashley, let's get into the news, and it starts... With the complete cast announcement for the upcoming Broadway premiere of the play Goodnight Oscar, it is almost completely the same cast that played uh, in Chicago when the show had its uh, premiere there, primarily uh, at the behest of the show's star, uh, Sean Hayes, who is also producing. Uh, it is written by Pulitzer Prize winner Doug Wright and directed by Lisa Peterson. It'll begin performances at the Blasco Theater on April 7th ahead of a April 24th opening night. It is currently scheduled to be a 20-week run that will play through August 17th. Obviously, keep an eye on that date. Uh, if it is something that does fairly well, that is a date that positions it right around Labor Day. So extensions to and beyond Labor Day are often possible. But... First, let's start off with the new person in the cast. We know that there are a couple folks from the, um, from the Chicago production that are not going to be carrying on. One of them is Ethan Slater. He obviously is, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, he is over in London currently shooting the wicked movies. Uh, he, uh yeah. so he is, he, so he is not a part of that. Um, uh, he is being replaced by another fairly familiar Broadway name. Alex Weiss will be taking over the role of Max Weinbaum. Pretty another good. person who has been, I've interviewed, uh, Ethan here on Broadway Radio before. Another person I've interviewed here on Broadway Radio that was in the Chicago cast, but will not be continuing is Trammell Tillman, who, uh, is, I'm a guessing Ooh, can't yeah. do it because they're getting ready to shoot season two of Severance. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, so very excited about that. Um, he is being replaced by Marchant Davis, which is very exciting. Um, the rest of the cast is continuing from the Chicago production. The always fantastic, uh, always fantastic Emily Burgle, Peter Gross, Ben Rappaport, and Do- John Drozeki. Uh, screwed that name up because there's a Z and a D together, and I don't know how to say that very well. But um, the thing that really interests me in this is, I was going through this, I was like. I don't, I feel like I know the name Peter Gross. It's G R O S Z. And I was like, how do I know that name? I looked him up and I felt like an idiot when I saw his picture because not only was he a longtime writer on the Colbert show and late night with Seth Myers. He was all, he was on Veep, a regular recurring character on Veep. He was on, um, uh, uh, the great as well and, and done a bunch of other stuff. He was also the sommelier in the menu, which is uh, he was great oh, in
1: that. But favor. yes,
0: yeah. But the reason I really knew him was is he was the guy in the driver's seat of the Sonic drive-in commercials for like a decade. Of him course. and his improv comedy partner <laughs> uh, TJ Jagodowski. So, like, if you've ever watched those Sonic commercials, they were replaced a, a couple and of years you have. ago.
1: Yeah, you've and I have. have seen them if you ever had a television on in your house
0: yeah and he's hilarious those are so good so i'm very excited uh that i didn't realize he had done this show in chicago but he is part of the broadway cast as well yeah, playing bob sarnoff
1: there and obviously yeah. those tv connections work really well with the show
0: Yeah, because this is a show um, in which Sean Hayes plays Oscar Levant, a Hollywood actor, concert pianist, and according to the press notes, the most subversive wit ever to appear on television during its golden age. This is built a lot about TV appearances. There are folks in the cast. Um, you know, that are names to golden age of television stars. Ben Rappaport, uh, plays Jack Parr, uh, the original host of the Tonight Show. I think the original host, or at least one of the early hosts of the Tonight Show. So uh, a lot of that going on. You're absolutely right. Those TV connections certainly make sense, not only for, um, for Peter Gross, but obviously for, for Sean Hayes as well. So very excited Absolutely. about that. Again, this one will be getting performances in less than a month. The reason they announced the full cast, they are now in rehearsals. So that is very exciting. All right, there's a couple of shows that opened on Monday night, which we told you about on Monday's episode, but we want to run through the reviews that came out uh, late on Monday. I'm just going to do them in brief, but of course, we will have the complete review roundups in the show notes. The first one is New York Theater Workshops, How to Defend Yourself. You have already heard, I mean, Grace pretty much implored you to buy tickets to see this one. It is by Liliana Padilla, and it is co-directed by Padilla, Rachel Chavkin, and Steph Paul. It is currently set to run through April 2nd. In a DIY self-defense class, college students learn to use their bodies as weapons. They learn to fend off attackers. They learn, quote, not to be a victim. Self-defense becomes a channel for their rage, anxiety, confusion, trauma, and desire. Lots of desire. Uh, again, d- just going to do these uh, real briefly, but I'm going to start with Maya Phillips from the New York Times who said, quote, for as much as the play aims to engage the audience in a fly on the wall view of a group of people, several of whom are meeting for the first time, developing and changing in relation to one another in this contained space, it still neglects to provide the necessary context to make the pre-existing relationships and the character arcs feel real. Otherwise, there are occasional throwaway plot twists like that worn out trope of a, uh, I'm not gonna spoil things, I don't, I don't think things that are Supposed to be surprises and plot twists should be spoiled in reviews. So I'm not going to read that. So okay. beep. That detract from the show's more novel reflections. Moving on, Jackson McHenry from Vulture said, quote, how to defend yourself's rational structure breaks down as the atmosphere in the class does. We go from the precise taxonomy of characters into Eros and Thanatosis style abandon, which is revealing in its own right. The production incorporates musical breaks between scenes, layering snippets of pop songs over characters dancing or practicing self-defense, and then, near the end, breaks into a sort of dream ballet of a college rager. There are things the students say with their bodies that they can't express with words, and things they can't do to protect those bodies, no matter how much they train. Tim Teeman for The Daily Beast said, quote, profound, funny and shocking, one hopes how to defend yourself graduates to a bigger stage. Truly, it should go to Broadway just to prove a doll's house does not have the monopoly on big endings. Uh I was very sad mm. that I didn't uh, get a chance to see this because it wasn't going to be playing when I'm in town, but hopefully yeah. we have an opportunity if it does make the transfer up from New York Theater Workshop. I'm so excited
1: for it. I uh, see it next Wednesday. Yeah. I Stephen son's
0: birthday. If if they couldn't get you in to see uh, Sweeney Todd on Sondheim's birthday, Not despite having that days. an available date, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you'll <laughs> have to go afterwards, but. Um, the other show that I want to talk about is Lincoln Center Theater's The Coast Starlight is a new play by Keith Boonin and is directed by Tyne Raffaelli. The, it is an ensemble company, um, and I'm not going to read through all the names because it is a fairly sizable one, but, uh, Mia Barron, uh, Camilla Cano Flavia, Reese Corio, uh, Will Harrison, John Norman Schneider, and others, uh, lead this cast. In this new play, a young man armed with a secret that can land him in terrible trouble boards the Coast Starlight, the long-distance train that runs from Los Angeles to Seattle. With the help of his fellow travelers, all of whom are reckoning with their own choices, he has roughly 1,000 miles to figure out a way forward. Let's start with... Um, Alexis Lasky from the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. She said, quote, a gentle, rueful play directed with a steady and sympathetic hand by Tyne Raffaelli. It settles down among six passengers sharing a single coach, narrow, nimble, self-contained. The ride it offers is as smooth as it is wistful because Boonen knows that any trip involves leaving something or someone behind. Hmm. Going back to Jackson McHenry from Vulture said, quote, The characters reveal their backstories one by one without going very deep. You want a bigger surprise from each character beyond the broader types that Boonin introduces, because the play's premise implies that there ought to be more to learn in talking than in merely observing. But the conversation doesn't deliver much. Aside from Mia Barron playing a woman who storms onto the train and delivers a whole bravura monologue about a breakup, and then he says, I would watch a whole play about her character's crunchy gripes. The actors don't make significant impressions. Tyne Raffaelli directing keeps the action among chairs laid out in a square platform onto which there are projections of blurry color that you might see out of a train window. Intentional or not, the effect coaxed me towards zoning out. I started to fantasize, in fact, about how relaxing <laughs> it might be to go on a long, quiet trip by train, probably not the ideal. Uh, goal of a uh, of a theater piece
1: but. <laughs> seriously zone out enough for a year and just thinking about relaxing further.
0: Yeah. Um, Frank Sheck, writing for New York Stage Review, said, quote, more often than not, however, there are no possibilities at all. We might engage in some quick small talk or just sit and look at our fellow passengers and wonder who they are and what their lives are like. That's the conceit of Keith Boonin's affecting new drama now playing off-Broadway at Lincoln Center Theater. Nothing of any real consequence happens in the Coast Starlight, except that we get to know and thoroughly enjoy the company of its characters who never get to know each other. Except in their imaginations, I, I have to tell you, Ashley. I, I've been watching mm-hmm. a little bit more TV, trying reading yeah. a few more books, and I've discovered. No, so you can I, you actually finished a book recently? That was right. Th- th- I've I've read three. My goal was to wow. read a book a month this year. This is my third one. I've finished three books this year already, which is great for me. It's um, great for
1: me too, and I'm on a similar track.
0: Yeah. So, but I've noticed. Like, I like books where nothing happens. Like, not obviously something yeah. happens, but nothing. Like, I don't need cataclysmic world events. I don't need murders. I don't need, you know, zombie apocalypses. I mean, those things are great, and I enjoy them, and I like them on TV. But, like, when I'm reading or seeing a show or watching a movie, like, just, like, good, interesting people is enough for me. And that's what this sounds like. Um, So it seems like it's a little mixed. Uh, Sulaski and Sheck liked it. Jackson McHenry was a little wishy-washy on it, but like, I feel like the reason that I was butting up against uh, Jackson McHenry's review is like, he wanted something to happen. And I feel like maybe it's age or maybe it's just evolving tastes, but like, I don't feel like I need something like major to happen in everything that I see or read.
1: Yeah. Nor is does that need to be the case like it sounds like jackson wanted a show that wasn't this show which is fine but don't go in expecting that or wanting that and be disappointed that it doesn't happen when that's clearly not what the the, the book the, mm-hmm. the writer anything intended i'm the same way i i like a story where it's a non-story i'm a for for florid language and an unreliable narrator so as long as you have that I could just read a thousand pages of that so I mean these are very mixed reviews obviously I am disappointed I don't get to see it it was on my list and there's just too many damn shows (laughs) I just don't have time but uh, you know it sounds like it would be up my alley
0: yeah uh the book i just finished daisy jones and the six i've read it because i wanted to watch the tv oh, yeah. show it's on prime video mm-hmm. lots of unreliable narrator and it's set up like an oral history okay so Love it. it's like like an interviewer is talking to the members of this band 20 30 years later in the show it's 20 years it's probably closer to 30 or 40 in the book but um it's fascinating because like you go back and forth and like literally they'll juxtapose a line from one band member above the a line from the next band member who like Completely remembers it differently, uh, so I love that kind of like reaching through that. You talk about the unreliable narrator, so oh, recommend yeah. that one. It's a quick read, to a very very quick read. I'm reading
1: but, A Certain Hunger, which is about a food critic that becomes a serial killer with the men that she sleeps with. So very similar vibes.
0: Great. Yes, very good. Yeah, very similar. Yep. Yep. Not different at all. All right, let's get into last week's Broadway grosses. We saw a substantial uptick last week, thanks to three new shows joining the boards, which we'll talk about here in a second. There were 20, 27 shows on Broadway last week. There was over a million dollar per show average because the total grosses were 28638821 bucks, up 14% over the previous week. Attendance also jumped 13% to come in at 229,771 people in the audience. There there were only four shows on Broadway that saw week to week declines last week. Uh, Parade, but Parade canceled a, produ- a performance because of the tech issues on Saturday night. So that makes sense there. Lion King dropped about $48,000. Pictures from home dropped to 22,000 and a doll's house uh, dropped about 14, but that was mo- more than likely because it was opening week and there was a lot of comps. The three new shows that joined the boards last week were Shucked, which did about $292,000, uh, in five previews. Life of Pi, which also had five previews, that so was just over $376,000. And Camelot had four previews for pretty close to $487,000. Of course, overall, uh, <laughs> The the little show that could, The Phantom of the Opera, is still the top grocer on Broadway by a considerable Checking amount. Along. It came in out $2,740,311. It is getting ready for its final four weeks on Broadway, so we'll see how high this goes over the next month. Hamilton was second, coming in at 1.9 million. Funny Girl was next at 1.85. Sweeney Todd was fourth at 1.8, even though it only had seven performances. So again, this is probably going to be approaching the $2 million a week mark. When it gets to full performances or like a full eight show week, the fifth show was Wicked at one point six nine. The rest of the shows in descending order above a million dollars were Lion King, MJ, Moulin Rouge, Cursed Child, Aladdin, Six and Juliet and the Book of Mormon. Chicago, which is interesting, which was the next show, the top nine million dollar grossing show, had its best non holiday performance week in the show's 26 year history on Broadway, which is Fascinating to me. So, you're Monsoon telling me, me that Chicago. B. It's well, but what I that's yes, absolutely. Uh, Jinx Monsoon is a big part of that, but it's crazy to me that this show has been running on Broadway for more than a quarter century, and other than holiday weeks, it has never grossed a million dollars. That seems yeah. wild, crazy. It, I mean, just absolutely I like nuts. I mean,
1: can't be I mean, true. I,
0: I mean, they put a press release out, so I mean, I think it's true. Um, bizarre, yeah, how bizarre, but again. You got to remember for the first half to two thirds of its life on Broadway, grossing a million dollars was very, very difficult to do. Now yeah. it's, you know, pretty, you know, well, 50 right. 50 at this point, Clearly. but still uh kind of surprising by that. But um all right, let's do some real quick news and notes. It was announced, uh, as I mentioned earlier with uh with Ethan, Wicked colon part one has shifted its film release date. It was originally going to come out on Christmas in 2024. Universal has decided to move it up to Thanksgiving of that year, a full pretty much a month. Uh November 27th, it was basically simultaneously tweeted out by all of the major cast members and the director, John M. Chu, who said, quote, we are deep into production on Wicked, and every day we get more and more excited to share with you the mischief we've been up to. So we've decided to get, get it to you all a little earlier than planned. Um, the Hollywood reporter is saying that it basically has to do with the fact that they want to build up anticipation over the entire holiday season, which to me generally means it's pretty good. When you've noticed, if you look at like the things that were released on Christmas this past year, they were kind of things that were just throwaways, especially with like Disney and things that are supposed to be family. If they want them to do really well, either they will release them on Thanksgiving or a few days before Christmas. An actual December 25th release date um, a lot of times means they're just kind of hoping for the best, but not you know putting a whole lot of faith in right. it. Um, this one seems to be very different. This seems to be something that they are investing in. I have an unnamed source close to the production who says it is going incredibly well. Uh, they are filming both parts one and two together, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it is going very, very well. Uh, Cynthia Erivo is fantastic, so not that interested. is no surprise. Oh, is. Yeah,
1: shocking yeah, news. That's unsurprising. Yeah. Um, I think it's coming out on Thanksgiving. It's going to be uh, the twenty
0: seventh. Yeah, oh. whatever. Thanksgiving weekend. I'm not yeah, sure what day of the week. Is Wednesday. that a Wednesday? It's a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it'll be out there uh, for Thanksgiving week, so people have the entire holiday season to check it out. All right. In some news that I have been literally waiting for, for probably close to 30 years, not true, but for a, a long lot. time. Um, The new music director of Encores, the great Mary Mitchell Campbell, did an interview oh yeah. in which she revealed that there are plans for two shows to join on en- Encores in the coming seasons. Yeah. The first one is City of Angels. Yeah. The second one is is Love Life. Kurt Vile's Love Life was supposed to be part of the 2020 season with Kate Baldwin and Brian Stokes Mitchell. I think they'd actually been in rehearsals. I think we saw the press video of it before yeah. uh, everything shut down. Victoria Clark is directing. Um, Probably going to have to wait until next, uh, you know, uh, a while to make sure that she's done <laughs> with Kimberly Akimbo, if she's yeah. going to do that. The other one, though, City of Angels, like, this is a show door. that everybody has wanted to see come back to Broadway for a long time it has never had a broadway revival since its premiere in 1989 there that is not for want of trying because multiple producers have tried to get it to broadway i believe there was a donmar production in london that wanted to transfer Mm -hmm. but what effectively happened was is those two productions fought over who had the broadway rights and it never happened with the run of shows that we've seen go from encores to uh, Broadway, I, say, I that, would be the
1: city center to Broadway pipeline is running strong,
0: <laughs> yes. And I feel like if they're going to do this, that is absolutely the plan. I interviewed um James Naughton, James Naughton, um, James Naughton played Stone. Uh, uh, opposite Greg Edelman's Stein. And I've interviewed, I interviewed him around the 25th anniversary. So that must have been like 2014, uh, talking about how they were working on getting it, uh, getting it back somehow. And he would love for that to happen. So we will see what happens. I have no doubt that if they do this at Encores, it'll come to Broadway. Um, another thing that I'm dying to see just because I absolutely love Krista Rodriguez is the upcoming <laughs> yeah. Barrington Stage Company production of Cabaret. It'll be running June 18th through July 8th. It's around my birthday. My birthday falls in the middle of that. Maybe that'll make Ooh, a birthday present to me. Uh, yeah. But the sh- that the cast features Krista Rodriguez as Sally Bowles, Alicia Umfris as Fräulein Cost, and Richard Klein, like one of the stars Extremely of three's company. But like yeah, like, but also in Waitress on Broadway and played the the wizard in Wicked on tour. He's playing Hare Schultz. The rest of the company uh, will be announced uh, moving forward, but uh, tickets go on sale. Actually, they're on sale uh, right now. They went on sale on Tuesday. So I'm, uh, do I want to do that? Trip. Do I want to go up to Barrington for my yes. birthday? Yes. Uh, we'll see. We will, we will have to wait. Deal
1: Coleman, knock on our door.
0: There you go. <laughs> very, very You're well welcome. done. Very well done. Um uh, yesterday we got a little bit of a date change for a previously announced immersive everywhere production of The Great Gatsby. It will now be playing from uh May 23rd at a new theater venue in New York called uh Park Central Hotel New York. It is a um kind of a multi-space. It will be a hotel, but it'll have a theater uh, space in there as well. It'll debut as the Gatsby Mansion at Park Central New York Hotel. Um, this is a long-running immersive production that, that ran in the UK for a long time. It'll officially open on June 15th, but this is a new date that had to be changed because of the transformation of that venue into a theatrical space. And then finally, the Kite Runner, which was seen recently on Broadway, has announced a North American tour that will kick off in the spring of 2024. It'll open at the ASU Gamage Theater in Tempe, Arizona, before going on to 20 cities, including Pittsburgh, Schenectady and more. All right, let's real quick do a feel good recommendation. And it is a recommendation that will make you feel good in many, many ways. Not only is it an incredible performance, a fantastic song but also a great cause it is a highlight uh from Broadway Cares Equity fights AIDS's Monday night performance of Broadway Backwards yeah. the song is Love Who You Love and it is performed not only by a great ensemble of Broadway talent but led by the indomitable uh Leia Salanga mm. who never fails no. like just literally no, like never ever fails the song is from The Man of No Importance or A Man of No Importance which if we're not going to get it on Broadway, I guess we'll just take Leia Salonga singing it on a Broadway stage at the New Amsterdam. Yes, please. Uh and, uh and of course, that is a show that deals with uh, a gay character and Broadway Cares Equity like Fights AIDS is one of the two uh, organizations that benefits from Broadway backwards. The other one is New York City's LGBT Center. So very, very appropriate um, to, uh, to, to close that show as well. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Ashley, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram. This is
0: Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful hump day, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.